Now time for the crime report. So, ladies and gentlemen, it's sponsored by the Crime Stoppers of Suffolk County. Easy number to remember, 1-800-220-TIPS, 220-8477. All calls, of course, kept confidential. And at various points, monetary rewards issued for information that will lead to an arrest or arrest. Joe Jacqueline, retired sergeant, NYPD, former commanding officer of the Bronx Cold Case, while current adjunct professor at John Jay College, author of the Criminal Investigative Function, incredible uh, piece of documentation, got new investigators. Uh, third edition completed on his way to number four. And, of course, Joe, a highly decorated member in his day of the NYPD, including the most notable Department Medal of Valor. We say a very good morning to you, Sarge. How are you, Joseph? Good morning, Jay. How are you? I am hanging in there, my friend. Good to speak with you after a little hiatus regarding Thanksgiving. I'll tell you, uh, Joe, this uh, this uh, Idaho uh, investigation is just mind-boggling uh, to me. I'm almost obsessed with any type of information we get on a daily basis um, you know, the flip-flop, targeted, not targeted, is it targeted, cars being towed yesterday, I think five of them, maybe a sixth person on that lease in that uh, house off the campus of the University of Idaho. Uh, not a lot happening, FBI involved, state agencies left and right. Uh, Joe, it is baffling. It really is baffling at this point in time. And you wonder if they're ever going to get a crack in the case here. Well, I agree with you, and uh, I also worry about a, a couple of things. Um, in the beginning, I was giving everyone involved in this the benefit of the doubt, but after listening to the coroner talking too much on the on the TV, and then the prosecutor giving all these interviews, and then having to not only walk that back, but then the police department have to put out a press release saying that well, whatever the prosecutor just said is not true. Uh, I mean, it's. It's just like after a while, you're just going to scratch your head. I've never seen this kind of behavior before in a homicide investigation. Uh, the police department has made mistakes, too, talking too much in the press and the media. The the issue that it comes down to is uh, we've seen this before. We've seen this in the Las Vegas shooting. We've seen this in Uvalde. We're seeing it here where, you know, the police chief takes this initial steps and talks about all this stuff. And then, and then half of it or maybe none of it is true from the beginning, and then they have to walk it back. That's why I always say, and we've talked about this, Jay, they, they need to use somebody like a public information officer, especially in the preliminary part of an investigation, to come out and talk about what's going on, because it's going to change. And when you have the chief talk about this, and then have to, a couple of days later, have the chief has to come back and walk it out, it doesn't look good for them. So that that's that's a concern. The other concern is, why did it take so long to take the cars? When I, when I find out that they took the cars two weeks after this thing. I, I would have figured that was already those cars there were just, you know, um, people from the lab and all the other stuff that were driving to the scene, uh, you know, maybe in their own personal cars, not realizing that these, these are the, the cars of the victims. I, I was a little um, taken back by that, too. So uh, th- there's there's been a lot of problems going on right here, and, it, and it's not looking good. And you're right. You need somebody to get before the cameras. You know, I always remember the guy down in Florida, the Petito laundry case, you know, took charge of the case. Uh, You know, you need something. You you get this chief uh, before the case. He looks like a deer in the headlights. He really does. He's not prepared. You know, the training aspect comes into play. You mentioned Uvalde. That's the first thing I thought about there um, with uh, Pete uh, Arredondo. Remember that whole deal? Uh, Joe, uh, I'll tell you. It's it's not good. 
Listen, I still want to know if these kids were killed between 1 and 2 in the morning and not a phone call till what, 10 hours later? That, that to me, is somewhat baffling, you know? A police call finally, 10 hours, about 12 noon that, that day. That day. Remember, they were killed the morning, early morning, folks, 1 to 2. Oh, and I think I got my numbers right, Joe, somewhere in that area. Uh, because remember, they were at the food truck. They went back somewhere around one forty-five, two o'clock, two two forty-five in that area where the killer allegedly went into that time frame, did what he did, and then ten hours later, you get a, a nine-one-one call uh, regarding. It. It's very hard for me to process a lot of this stuff at this point, you know. And you feel for these parents. You know, you got a second funeral, I think, today. You had the vigil the other night uh, at that indoor arena there. I mean, it's just gut-wrenching. It really is. It's it's tough because you're over three weeks now, and you really don't have a lot. At least they're not telling us anything, you know. Well, it's um, – to be honest with you, like I said, I, I, I was – I was kind of just giving everybody the benefit of the doubt. You don't want to, you know, um, bash the uh, the police department. You just let you know. Listen, they're not used to this kind of investigation. Really, very few departments can handle an investigation like this initially, especially with all the media and social media. Um, you know, people bearing down on you. Uh, but you have to. This is why you have training. This is why you have things like the National Incident Management System or NIMS about you know, having different groups of people and then being able to talk and who's going to be in charge of this, and who's going to do that, you know, the logistics and all those other things. It just, does, and, and you have the state involved and you have the feds involved and none of this stuff was done. So I kind of, I kind of question it. So, I mean, when were the feds notified or when were the state notified? When were all these things that had happened uh, what put in place? And and here's the other thing. I don't know if you caught this, but when they, when they did tow the cars, they towed it with some local tow truck. Now, I know this department is not big enough to have your own department tow for evidence and stuff like that. But like I said earlier, the state's involved and the feds involved. You're telling me that nobody here has uh, the 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 tow truck that's you know designed just for picking up like a flatbed, just to be picking up evidence and bringing it to location. Like what location do they bring it to? How clean is this environment? What is this environment used? For other things, I mean, there, there's so many things involved with the forensics, which if you had a forensics expert, would be able to tell you how bad that really is. Joe, you see, this is why you're the guy. You're the expert. I, I didn't pick up on that. I mean, that is an excellent point, what the Sarge just stated. I mean, who knows? You got a local tow company taking five pieces of evidence, possibly. And who knows? I mean, are they kind of trained in a way where – you know, they're going to put them in a yard, maybe touch things they shouldn't touch. I mean, come on. Uh, that's an excellent point. Excellent point. Listen, uh, we'll see what I still believe this was a targeted situation where this guy knew uh, one of the gals, maybe even the guy, this Ethan Chapin. And, um, you know, maybe some retribution involved. Just an angry individual what he did. But I still believe it's, I it's that type of thing, Joe. You know, I don't. Do you, do you have a do you have a theory on that or no? Well, no, no, I agree. I mean, just because of the violent nature and the and the, the use of a knife, uh, which is an up close and personal weapon, which generally shows anger, which generally also shows a um, you know some sort of relationship between the the victim and and the, the suspect. 
you know, I, I believe that too. I mean, just because of the amount of overkill, generally strangers don't get you that angry, right? I mean, unfortunately, it, this has led to so much speculation in the social media world, like everyone's gone Charles Manson on this, right? I really don't think it's that kind of thing. Um, it, it, it's it's something specific. Like, for instance, always stick with the you know the the three main motives that we refer to as the homicide triangle, love, money, and drugs, and take it from there and let the evidence and the information that you get then lead you to where you need to go instead of having, you know, the, the social media thing <laughs> basically determine where you're going in your investigation. And that's what seemed like happened for a little while because they're actually answering out things that, that came up on the social media stuff. So I, I'm, a little, I'm a little concerned about um, the inner workings of this investigation. You know, it's almost as if if you're not sure, don't say anything. You know, it's targeted, then it's not targeted, then it's targeted. I mean, come on. I mean, if it's not targeted, can you imagine every kid in that campus? I mean, if as a parent, I would remove mine, I'll tell you that much, until something breaks there. But, you know, hopefully, hopefully uh, they will find something here. Joe Jacqueline, the Sarge, with us, the crime report, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Joe, let's get into a little bit of a trafficking ring. Uh, that was broken up, and some arrests uh, in all two, by the way, uh, were from uh, Suffolk County. You know, we talk about ghost guns and everything else. Well, they nabbed a couple of folks here uh, regarding this stuff, so uh, that was a very good thing, what happened here. No, absolutely. I mean, these um, <laughs> these guns and, and everything that goes on with them, uh, I don't totally understand all of the uh, inner, inner workings about how ghost guns and everything else that, that goes on, but we, we do know that they are a threat uh, because they have the potential being made in someone's home, even with some of these 3D printers and everything else. So, uh, you know, listen, anytime that we can get a hand on, on one of these things and, and try to break up a ring uh, and be able to to do something about that, I, I think it's, it's, it's great, but it's also probably the tip of the iceberg. And we need to be more aware of these things because, you know, no serial numbers, no nothing, be able to do something. I think that they're going to have to try to figure out another way to, to identify anybody who's making these things. No question. Remember, the president came uh, here uh, earlier in the year. There was a, a lot uh, a lot of hype on that. Uh, you know, listen, it's about the weapon. Is it about the individual? You know, here in New York, obviously, we have a problem regarding people that are back out on the streets after being uh, arrested in the first place, back out, you know, the bail stuff. Uh, so, you know, listen, this was a 438-count indictment for running this type of ring here. One guy was from South Carolina, two, I believe, were from West Babylon, who participated in this operation. Salt weapons, machine guns, semi-automatic pistols. You know, that's part of the problem, Joe, right? What's that, Joe? 57 of them. Yeah. 57 of them, you know? So, I mean, they... This is, a, this is a significant seize, but you can figure out, you know, that there's how many more out there doing this at, at probably much greater rates and doing it, you know, un, unbeknownst to uh, law enforcement or anybody else. And that's what the, the big concern is. Just like when you had this fentanyl issue, you know, the, you catch the one guy with a million things, and there's a guy out there with 10 million, you know, so it's just, it just goes on and on. It's just a nonstop fight. Just keep on going, guys. That's all. Jacqueline, the crime report. Joe, I'm guilty of this uh, as well, not locking my car at night. Uh, big problem, especially in, Nass- in uh, Suffolk County. In Dix Hills in particular, there was a report on one particular street. I mean, this you know what happens? They patrol streets with their uh, headlights off, 
and uh, you know they try to cause. In fact, one guy had his wallet stolen, a watch. You know, they they go to the bank account the next day. They feel that that was compromised, and uh, you know then they figure it out. But you know, I'm kind of guilty of this at various times. Where you know you you get out, you go in the house, and you know you forget. That's what happens. But this time of the year, first of all, you never leave your wallet in the car. I've done that. Believe me. I scramble out the next morning with my fingers crossed. But, you know, you, you've got to be very careful of that, Joe. Yes, and it's very easy to fix it, right? I mean, it's just, um, it, it's it, this has been going on for quite a while. The police department has actually been doing all kinds of memos out there and, and, and public service announcements to try to get people just to lock your doors. It will save... <laughs> you so much aggravation and that's that's part of the whole thing right so if you look at it this way that it's going to save you the individual the citizen all this aggravation and trying to replace all this stuff or what you lost uh then you know just just take the time and lock the door especially now with the fact that you got a key fob that you could do it from inside your house if you forget there's even apps that come with the new cars right that that tells you that the windows are open or the doors are locked so I mean, there's a lot of different things out there to remind you. I know you're out, you're running around, you're doing this stuff, but um, don't make it easy for people. And that's the bottom line. If you make it easy, they're going to do it. I mean, there's they have all these doorbell cams. I saw the videos where the guy was checking out, you know, all the cars, and he finds it was a white uh, SUV. I think it was. It was in Huntington or Dixos, and uh, you know, he just gets in the car and they just you know take everything inside of it. But remember. People also keep some very personal information in there, right? Your driver's licenses, uh, your insurances, and your registrations. Those cards are actually supposed to be in your wallet. They shouldn't be in your car. So, um, you know, and but if you leave your wallet in the car, then I guess <laughs> none of that matters. But, you know, the issue that comes down to is that you should make sure you don't have any really personal documents in there. People also put their, um, you know, their garage door openers in there, and then they leave their car open. And now this person has access to your house. So, just just be mindful of that, especially if you said with the holidays coming up. They know you got lots of goodies inside. Of the year, no question. A couple of minutes with uh, the Sarge. Um, and that, you know, it, it also leads me to be careful. Let the audience beware also. You get a package, you know, listen, I get packages in my house. My daughter orders stuff left and right every day. We get something from, uh, you know, Amazon or something. And they leave it, uh, you know, on the porch. And you have thefts of that now. You know that this is the time of the year. You got to be careful. You get a delivery, get it in the house. You know, or yeah. make arrangements if you're not home. That's key. You know, I mean that is so key. And the other thing is, you know, you and I spoke about this whitewashing thing with the checks. You got a lot of mail being stolen right now, and these people are aware when the post guy comes around. You know, and who you know various times it depends on their schedule. But they can get a sense of when mail is going to be delivered. They'll go right up to your box. We've had reports. Right up to your box. Take out the mail. They look for the checks, folks. Okay? And they whitewash the numbers and everything else, make it look like it's made to them. Cash the check, and you're out of the cash. That's what it could. you got to be careful. Those two things, Joe, right? Well, no, absolutely. And here's, you know, we, we mentioned this a while ago, but it's worth repeating. If you're going to have order checks from the bank, you get a new set of checks. Just have them the checks sent to the bank, and you can be notified and pick them up there. That's how you can avoid that from happening. Also, at the end of the year, you also start getting a lot of the Christmas, uh, me, the credit card renewals. They come through the mail, and then it's they they get your credit cards that and, you know. So when you look at your dates when your credit cards are expired, and if they haven't, if you haven't gotten your card yet, it's within thirty days. Call the credit card company because they usually send it at least thirty days before your expiration date. This way. 
you can then maybe pick up something if something was lost in the mail or stolen or what have you. Then they, this way they can cancel those and send you a new set. Now that, you know, so disingenuous of this mayor, you know, regarding the mental health situation uh, within the confines of the city. You know, he wants everybody involved, taking uh, these people off the street and whatnot here. Uh, listen, we got a homeless problem like every every other major city in the country, maybe worse in our neck of the woods. You know, he's calling on police now to do their part. Isn't it funny? He's trying to embrace police to do their job in this capacity. But when it comes to finding a police officer to protect you on a subway platform, a la Elizabeth Gomes, who beat to a pulp by losing an eye out of this, no cop in sight, you know, I mean, I, I just found, I found it to be somewhat of a conflict there, you know? Well, unfortunately, the cops are going to be forced into doing this. And if you remember, uh, this whole involuntary natures of this whole thing was with, if somebody is a threat to themselves or others. This actually goes beyond that. This goes beyond if the person just refuses basically the lawful order. Who You know, this person seems to be within their right mind, uh, but they just refuse to go to a shelter or refuse to get out of the subway system, which is going to turn into use of force issues, which is going to turn into something bad. And, of course, the police department is going to be blamed for it. They're going to be left held in, you know, holding the hook. And when you remove qualified immunity and you have all these different issues out there, I, I think that you're just asking for trouble. That's all, unfortunately. No question about it. Joe Jacqueline, the crime report sponsored by Crime Stoppers, Suffolk. 1-800-220-TIPS, 220-8477. Folks, all calls uh, to be kept uh, confidential. Sarge, great weekend, my friend. 